Hey, I'm Allison Ray, and you're listening to the Pace and Pattern Podcast, a place where I explore simple strategies to help us create margin, focus on what matters, and feel good about what we're doing by proactively setting the pace and pattern of our real lives. This is episode six, and today we're exploring projects, how to pick a good one to focus on, and how to break it down so that that it's not so daunting, and so you can enjoy that sense of satisfaction that comes from finishing a big project. This is the fourth episode in our series exploring the three different types of goals, habits, rhythms, and projects. Projects are the type of goal you think of when you think of goals. Projects are awesome because they're so concrete. There's nothing quite like biting into a tomato you grew in your backyard or taking a spin on a bike you restored with your own hands. Projects are great because they usually have a thing-like end that we can look back on and think, I did that, with a sense of accomplishment and pride. Projects are also fun because they give us an outlet to do something different with our minds or our bodies that maybe we don't normally get to do. They can be an opportunity to be curious, to learn, to use some gifts or passions that we don't use in our everyday lives. Projects are just fun. But there are three main problems we tend to face when it comes to tackling projects. Problem one, big projects can be overwhelming. Problem two, projects can be hard to finish. And problem three, big projects can make our lives feel crazy. I hope that today's episode will help you navigate these challenges and that it'll just be helpful the next time you're planning a project. A key principle of the pace and pattern method is that by choosing just one goal or even fewer in each of these three main categories, habits, rhythms, or projects, if you choose just one every season, you'll be forcing yourself to choose what matters most in this phase of life that you're in. And then because you're diversifying the types of goals you're trying to choose, you're diversifying by having a project, a rhythm, and a habit, you're shaking up the amount and type of willpower you're exerting, and that helps you prevent burnout and keep you fresh. Also, all three types of goals each come with their own challenges, they require a different approach to make them work, and they all have the potential to impact our life and how we feel in really different ways. In episode three and four, I talked about habits. So habits are the tiny but mighty actions that shape who we are. Habits really give us a sense of agency and they can just be empowering. In our last episode, we talked about rhythms and the ability they have to add balance to our lives by giving us a chance to give our full attention to something that's important, but not urgent and easily gets forgotten. And today we're talking about projects. Projects are powerful because they give us that sense of satisfaction. They're things we can look back on and be really proud that we did. Now, the principle I mentioned earlier about choosing just one habit, one rhythm, and one project to focus on every quarter can seem kind of crazy when it comes to projects because a lot of you are thinking, I work on 12 projects every month. Well, that's not really the kind of project I'm talking about. What I mean when I say focus on one project is to choose a project that connects to the vision you have for your life that wouldn't happen unless you chose to make it a priority. For pace and pattern purposes, projects are personally meaningful tasks that your future self will be proud you accomplished. I'm also talking about a project that takes more than one afternoon to accomplish. They're usually big enough in scale to require planning and a certain amount of intentionality. 
If the project you're thinking of isn't that size, then I would say just treat it like you would a regular old to-do and not necessarily think of it as like this big project you're focusing on. So don't worry, we'll talk about to-dos later. But for now, let's stick with projects. Here are some examples of the kind I'm talking about. Things like running a marathon, building a deck, purging your house, writing a book, having an art show, planning a vacation, starting a vegetable garden. Those are all the kinds of projects I'm talking about. Also, when I say only choose to focus on one project at a time, that's also really important. In our Pace and Pattern Planner, we always include extra project pages in the back because projects don't fit as neatly into the seasonal structure as habits and rhythms, and that's okay. If you finish, finish one project in a season, you don't have to feel like you need to wait until the next one to get started on a new one. You can just go ahead and start your next project. At the same time, if you have a project like writing a book, for instance, that you know is going to span way longer than one season, then I would just suggest you take it one season at a time and figure out what your goals are for that big project this season. So say maybe you want to write five chapters of your book in the next three months, something like that to help you break it down and give you a better perspective on what exactly you want to see happen in this shorter amount of time. So after you think about these criteria and you have a project in mind, let's talk about addressing problem number one. So problem number one is that projects are daunting so that they can be hard to start. My hope is that these first two steps in project planning will help, help you address that main issue. Okay, step one is do your homework. So sit down and define exactly what your project is. Be specific, but don't be crazy. Figure out what you need and what resources, uh, what you need to do and what resources you need to gather to make this project happen. I would say just write it out as you think it out. Maybe even do some research. Watch some YouTube videos. Check out some books from the library. Ask someone you know who knows a lot about whatever it is you're doing. So after you get all of these things in mind, now it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's something to give you a general scope of your project. I want you to try to figure out how long this project is going to take you. And I want you to take into consideration something called Huffstadler's Law. Here's Huffstadler's Law. It's, it always takes longer than you expect, even when you take into account Huffstadler's Law. So with that in mind, come up with a number Try to take into account Huffstetler's Law, and then add even more time to that. I promise you'll be way happier if you finish your project in less time than you expected than if it takes way longer than you anticipated. Now that you have a good idea of the time commitment required for your project, think about how many hours per week you'll be devoting to your project. And then I want you to think about where you'll be putting these hours and what you'll be saying no to so that you can say yes to this. Because often there is something already filling a lot of our lives and we need to figure out what we need to do, even if it's just not watching as much TV. Through the process of step one, you've probably already set yourself up pretty well for step two. Now step two is eat the elephant. So step one is do your homework. Step two is eat the elephant. Here's the question. What's the best way to eat an elephant? Answer, one bite at a time. 
This classic piece of goal setting wisdom is especially true for big projects. So this is how we make the project less daunting. Looking at a project as a whole can be so overwhelming. The best way to make it more manageable is to break it down into smaller chunks. And since you've already done your research and I know what's required, this should be pretty easy. First, break it down into three or four big chunks and then break it down even further. I would keep doing this until you get to really nice, manageable, bite-sized to-do items. If you can go ahead and figure out what that first, maybe even like five minute activity is that gets you started on your project, that's a really good thing to do too. So steps one and two, do your homework and eat the elephant are the two that are gonna help you with problem number one. Now problem number two, if you remember, is finishing a project. So this is where step three comes in. Step three, or step three and four comes in. Step three is to set a deadline outside of yourself. Some projects already have a deadline built in, like if you're having a baby and you wanna finish the nursery before the baby gets here, or if you're throwing a surprise party for a friend. Um, so if that case, if that's the case, you don't have to really worry about this step, but if it's not, and you don't have a deadline automatically built in, try to create one. And if you can attach something extrinsic to it, like my friend Audrey had the goal of redoing her front porch and painting it and hanging lights and getting furniture. And she decided that to make herself motivated to actually finish this project, she planned to have a party on 4th of July to have a bunch of friends come over to her porch just as a way to give herself an outer deadline to make it happen. So deadlines are much more inspiring if other people are involved. So the more you can do to have someone else come into your house to see your progress, or even if you want to have an art show, going ahead and booking that space to have a set time when you need to finish all this art by that people are going to see. That's really what's going to help you stick to your deadline. And then step four, this is the other part of helping with getting projects done, is to develop a timeline. So this is actually my very favorite step. So all you need to do is take that list of all those little mini steps you wrote down from eating the elephant and then put draw a big line and then track each of those little steps onto the timeline. If you know you're gonna have a Saturday work day to renovate your kitchen, maybe twice a month, then you could kind of write down all the steps you wanna accomplish on each of those Saturdays until you come out all the way to your deadline. Possible. This is also a great time to double check and make sure that the deadline you set is actually reasonable. So make sure the only way you're going to stick with a deadline is if it is somewhat reasonable. If it's too intense, then that's probably not going to work out well. Once you have a timeline that feels good and seems to work, then go ahead and get started. The best way to start is to start. So this is a quote from Gretchen Rubin. She wrote the book better than before. The most important step is the first step. All those old sayings are really true. Well begun is half done. Don't get it perfect, get it going. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Nothing is more exhausting than a task that's never started. And strangely, starting is often far harder than continuing. So I hope that is a little bit of inspiration to help get you started. Problem number three is that projects can take over our lives. They can get 
make everything feel really crazy. These last few ideas are really meant to address problem number three, which is that pro projects make our lives feel crazy. Big projects often take up so much time and attention that it's easy for things to get out of whack. So here are some ideas that I hope will help you keep your project in check once you get it going. Okay, one is to give your project parameters. So set a few rules for your projects. This is where last week we talked about rhythms. I think a rhythm can be really good to make sure you have some section of time that you're not immediately giving to a really big project. I know for us, for Joseph and I, we renovated our kitchen last spring and it just felt like it was taking over every single nook and cranny of our lives, just trying to make it happen. And I think setting some parameters like date nights where we weren't going to work on the kitchen or just family fun times is a really good idea for making sure that your project just doesn't get totally out of hand. Another thing you could do is try to make your project as relational as possible. So if you can bring other people in, then you're kind of nurturing those relationships as you're working on this big project. And I think that's another really good way to make sure it doesn't get too crazy. You can bring your kids in on the process of teaching them how to hammer and nail stuff, or you could bring a friend along to do training runs if you're working on running in a marathon. And then the final thing to think about is just give yourself grace if things are a little bonkers for a time. You can choose to either have a shorter season of just really chaotic intensity and just accept that in this little season, while this project is in process, that it's going to be your reality. Or you could also choose to do your project over a longer period of time and have it just be a little bit crazy for a longer amount of time. My friend Elaine realized for her a shorter amount of high intensity time was actually better for her personality. Whereas my other friend Katie is much more comfortable with a slower, more paced out approach. Take into account your own tendencies and your current life circumstances and think about those when you're figuring out exactly how it is you should plan out your timeline. All right, guys, I'm so glad y'all were here. I'm glad you listened to this episode. I hope that this will help make your next project feel, I don't know, just a little bit better and more fun as you approach it. I'm Allison Ray. Thanks for listening. Next week, we're talking about something, but I'm not sure yet. But uh, just stay tuned. And I hope you have a great rest of your week.